Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica, finally back. Welcome back. Good to have you. I'm doing better? Sort of. Mm-hmm. I'm, We're all working very hard. I have a voice. You especially. Yeah. Last time I was not well, mm-hmm. so forgive me, but I'm back. Well, welcome back to another exciting episode. We'll be talking. We, uh, of course, had a poll to decide what the episode was going to be about. This was going to be a specialty topic, and I may have stacked the deck on this one. Y'all really like smooching. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna just throw that out there. Y'all are really interested in talking about smooches because I mean uh, it's definitely the it won by a landslide. It's a it's a pretty exciting topic compared to the other two. I mean, we're talking like, about Dragon Age too, so yes. like. You're saving the world and smooching faces. Those are the two things you do. Smooching them faces of Thetis. Nice, nice plug. Way to title drop. New book. Way to bang new book on laptop. <laughs> I do that too. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump straight into it. Uh, first, we're going to have our D20 radio shout out. We've got a quick one. It's because we might put this together nice and fast. We're going through the Wayback Machine with the Roll for Initiative podcast uh, on the D20 radio network. Join mm. DMs Vincent and DM Nick uh, as they kick it back to the 80s and explore the world of old school gaming with Advanced Dungeons and Dragons First Edition. Classic, classic, classic. Mm-hmm. D20 Radio is actually pretty well set for folks who want some old school Dungeons and Dragons. This is this is my jam. This yeah. kind of stuff is... Jessica is an old school kind of gamer in general, <laughs> so this is right up my alley. Very good. To the point where I'll even use third person to describe how excited I am about mm-hmm. podcasts like these. Uh, with their most recent episode, DM Nick and DM Matt are delving into a late addition to first edition, which was non-weapon proficiencies, I believe. Mm-hmm. They talk their origins, uses, and how they were a reflection of gaming at the time, and more, in their latest issue, as they call them, Roll F Roll for Initiative. We've included their email if you'd like to get into contact with them. Uh, they have a Patreon for early access to their show. Uh, and DM Vince uh, has a blog and a YouTube you can check out. Mm-hmm. I know I'm definitely going to be uh, checking out these episodes. And I think you should, too, if you're mm-hmm. anything like me and have any fond memories of these uh, classic, classic games. Mm-hmm. Check it out. We got no news this week in Thetis, unfortunately. We'll be keeping our ears to the ground for any sort of Dragon Age RPG news. And, of course, once we hear it, you'll be hearing about it. As always. So instead, what we think we're going to do is going to go ahead and consult our codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We've got a trio of questions today. Uh, mm-hmm. Working through... Uh, and say, well, First, working through the uh, log that Jamie sent us through our email. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, and I like this. I like this question. Uh, in mass battles, how can magic be utilized? I'm talking, for example, Deventer versus Kunari, which some of my adventure pre-writes may involve. Ooh, yeah, I can see how magic in mass battles would be super important there. You think hmm. so, too? We have a little co-podcaster with us. She's not quite as excited about this as we are. No. No, she, uh, she doesn't really have any really great uh, inspirational ideas about this question, I don't think. Certainly not. She does think she's not getting enough attention. Hmm. So, in terms of how you could use magic, I think we would have to first ask, like, how much magic is being used? Because if we've just got, like, a couple of powerful mages on the field and a bunch of soldiers, then that would probably be relegated to things like crisis points, which the PCs take part in. Let's take that example to Vinter versus Canari, because it's going to be mostly magic on one side. Mm Mm-hmm. In that particular example, uh, I think you could probably, uh, the easiest way to do it would probably be giving the Tevinter army uh, bonuses to fight the Kunari army because the Kunari, as a, as a race, have penalties against magic. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be the easiest answer. Don't know if it's a cop-out. Just 
give them a plus one on give them a plus one on checks to uh, and see uh, during uh, during the phases in between crisis points. Eh, it, do, it just feel kind of simple given that magic is so encompassing and so mm-hmm. like it's a major major mm-hmm. thing. And if they don't have magic canceling, like it's just going to be hard to. Yes, the Kunari would definitely. Uh... Uh, let's see. Over. Let's see. Would definitely be able to rival Tevinter specifically because they have the superior technology and probably better tactics and mm-hmm. better discipline. You may consider allowing a uh, a Tevinter uh, leader mm-hmm. to use a magical focus in place of uh, Ooh. military lore. Ooh, I like that. Just letting that raw magical power lead oh. the day instead of really superior tactical maneuvering. Because you're probably not going to outmaneuver Kunari. That's no, probably a better idea. No, but you're going to blast people on, you know, into the sky if you just start shooting fireballs. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, uh, I would say allowing for that could be a good thing to do, sort of. I like that. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a cunning arcane lore to throw in there once in a while. Yes. But I think mostly to really gain the benefit, mm-hmm. would be something like, you know, magic primal. That makes sense. Bring some more magic. Yep. <coughs> Bring the boom. Hmm. Thank you, Jamie. Cool question. Definitely want to hear about how that campaign goes. Oh, yes. That sounds exciting. Jamie's been sharing a little bit with me, and it sounds like it's going to be a real cool northern, like a Saharan campaign. Like, wow. <laughs> Just jump into that basket of angry cats. I am, I am very excited to hear about this mm-hmm. and to see how it develops. So let us know, Jamie. Thank you for the question, as always. Uh, next question comes from Drunkle Grog through our Facebook. What's up? And I did truncate your question as per as per request. <laughs> uh, Drunkle Grog's <laughs> question was: uh, I was thinking today that in RPGs, a GM can string a series of short combats together uh, that don't allow for a long rest. By stringing combats closely together, players must use their skills, magic, and resources to stay in fighting shape. How can a GM use this tool effectively, and more specifically in age, how many back-to-back combats are too many? Huh. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's a really important part of making sure, especially that your advanced players and your high-level mm-hmm. characters actually have some sort of challenge. Yes. Not giving them a chance to, uh, not giving them a chance to recuperate or at least... Limiting the amount of recuperation time that they have can really yeah. help st- help um, put some gas on it. Yeah, like the our final sort of level 20 dungeon was a gauntlet. It was. Like, you ran us through a lot of fights in one go. And you had to, because there were, we were... <laughs> there were Templar ghosts, there were actual ghosts, there was separation once stepping through the Illuvian, so everybody's there alone. some demons. With demons, of course. Pretending to be our friends. Oh, yeah. Tend to be our friends and loved ones and telling everybody, no, it's okay, you won. Well done. You did it. Come a little closer. It's fine. Yeah, it was It was not great for us, but we made it through. Mm-hmm. Although we had to balance our resources because we knew we were going into a big fade dungeon. Mm-hmm. So You also had to go find each other. Yeah, that was fade. rough. That was fun. It was, that was difficult at best. Mm-hmm. We even found one of our party members that had been missing for like a year and a half. We gave you guys one challenge that was just huge and bottomless chasm. What do? <laughs> and you found like a carpet and cast levitate on it. I did. And you had a high I enough, stared at it. You had a high enough magic that it could had potentially had the strength to carry everybody. Just it moved very slow. Yep. I had to stare at it and move it across very slowly. Mm-hmm. Because the moment it left my sight, it was going to stop working. So mm-hmm. just got to stare at that carpet and move it. But yeah, so I think to specifically in age, how many back-to-back comments or combats are too many? It really depends on your group. Yeah, that's something that's going to super depend on your group. If you've got a lot of warriors, they don't really have a lot of resources to track unless you do like like weapons break occasionally or they're just taking yeah. so or much damage. Systems. Yes, or injury systems like if you're if you're going into the fantasy age companion and have like wound thresholds or something. Yeah. But Which if you've is, got a bunch of mages or something. If you got mages, then they can they can get a lot of stuff done and they can make battles change pace very quickly, but they are relying on all that mana that they yeah. use. Yeah, when they are tapped, if they don't have potions, they're done. Yeah. So they've got they they got arcane lances. Oh, pew pew. Oh boy. 
Pew. My little magic pea shooter. No. Nothing. <laughs> you get bonus on lightning attack stunts. Hooray. Ooh, you can shoot two missiles now. Wish we could put mana in them to make them deal 2d6 damage instead. Be still my beating heart. <laughs> 2d6 non-penetrating damage. So, uh, Drunkelgrog, uh, using this effectively is going to be probably be the difference between your high-level uh, characters or your advanced players uh, having a challenge and just, let's say, or just spending their gold or potions on winning fights. Yeah. Well, and it's, if you're not careful, it's the difference between them stomping and being stomped. And you really don't want either of yeah, those. Not really, no. Neither is particularly great. So I guess it depends really on what your party mm-hmm. wants to do. Uh, I was also... You know, hypothetically. Uh, right. Uh, there could also end up being uh, the potential that if you're stringing a lot of combats together, uh, if you're not really giving them enough time to recuperate in between each fight, it could end up just being like one big fight. That is true. Waves. Although you might want to give people a little bit of some dramatic breaks mm-hmm. because yeah. it becomes a slog pretty quickly. If you're even if you're like, you know, even 10 advanced, rounds in, right, 20 yeah. rounds in, you're just like. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be here anymore. Even advanced players are going to probably, like, the players, not the characters, are going to be winded after running three combats in a row. Especially yeah. if you're making them tricky combats. Space them out with, you know, other types of encounters. Mm-hmm. But don't let them sleep. Maybe uh, give them, like, a round or two to prepare for the next wave. Yeah, or if you're feeling generous, a short rest. Mm-hmm. Because short rest isn't going to really restore any major things that they're yes that you're trying to deplete. It's a fair amount of health that they get back but there's also a fair number of ways you can deal damage yeah. to them you and are the gm not everybody's got a heal mage so. it's, it's true it's very true yeah just... some people have got heal mages who also have uh spell bloom which i hear is a i should have done that i regret combat. not doing that <laughs> I don't regret you not doing that, but I do. I had regret, enough broken. But you nonsense. already had telekinetic weapons, so we were. It was. It was evening out a bit. And the fall down spell. Ah, yep. Mm-hmm. Love that. Book. Mages are pretty wild in Dragon Age. I'll oh, have yes. you know. Uh, so to answer, I guess it's a uh, in age. How many combats back to back are too many? I would honestly say that once you've got done three combats in a row, that's probably plenty. But and assess at that point, at least. Yes. At that point, yeah, definitely take a look. And honestly, when you're done with that second one, take a look at the players and see how they're doing. If they need, it's or if you just if you even if you want to string them all together, maybe let the players like take a fifteen minute break. Well, and here's the thing: there's a difference between stringing combat, 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 mm-hmm. and combat role playing, combat exploration, role playing combat, mm-hmm. and both of which will consume the same number of resources, perhaps more. Mm-hmm. It's just you're not slamming them with combat at yeah. once. You're getting the same effect of resource mm-hmm. consumption. Giving so them a, throwing giving, three combats at once yeah. is a very specifically sometimes food. Giving time limits uh, or conse- or maybe, like time or limits. consequences for taking too long. Maybe mm-hmm. if they take too long to get somewhere, then the the, situ- the circumstances change. Or environmental hazards that mm-hmm. worsen over time. Yes. Maybe they're maybe they're in the middle of a storm, which is making it difficult for them to take a short rest in the rain and the wind. Mm-hmm. Or you know, a place is slowly crumbling around them. Yes, there's there's always that. Finish the fight and get out of there. You gotta go. So hope that answers your question, Drunkle mm-hmm. Grog. Hope we have given you a couple of suggestions that work for you. Thank you for the question as always, and we hope to hear from you again soon. Yep, we'll talk to you on Facebook. Yes. <coughs> Next question is from a new question asker uh, who, let's say, online goes by Irku. Hey there. I, I believe. Irku? I like it. Yeah, if you have a pronunciation <coughs> you really specifically prefer, let us know. And okay. We'll do it. Yes, please. Uh, let's see. Irku, I think. Let's see. I, I, Irku, I'm guessing. Irku. Uh, well, they ask. Uh, I run Dragon Age games, and the resources I have been introduced to through the podcast are priceless. I'm glad you. I'm glad yeah. that we can help. Thank you so much. One of those resources are the Esoterica from Thetis volumes, an excellent choice. Those mm. things are pretty wild. Uh, I'm planning a game set in Ferelden during the Black Age, where werewolves run rampant. I want to run the Sisterhood, but the lore doesn't match what I know about the timeline. 
I'm going to have to make my own version of the Sisterhood by having used the Blood Gift in your games. I was wondering if you had any advice for modifying organizations from the Esoterica volumes to better fit for a custom game. I'll bet you would have some knowledge of this. That is that is a fair question to ask. Um, Esoterica from Thetis, those... I don't know uh, exactly when the Organizations one was written, but... Um, as far as I know, the organizations that they included were mostly original content. A lot of them were based on lore that already existed, uh, but things like the Blood Gift of Fen'Harel, which we used, uh, was mm-hmm. not something that, as far as I know, was available in Dragon Age already. Mm-hmm. All of that was just by made up by the people who made Esoterica from Thetis, which was pretty good. Kind of, kind of impacted mm-hmm. the Especially, way. Especially, because we also used the Emerald Brotherhood. Oh, from, yeah. From the Esoterica. We used a lot from the, we did. From the Esoterica. It was pretty good. Uh, and we and we we made excellent use of them. They had a lot of good they had a lot of good lore write ups for us and they had a bit of organizational uh, and say a bit of organizational kind of uh, write ups and suggestions and hierarchies. Mm-hmm. So it was very good, very useful. Uh, as for adjusting it for your needs, um, just to make it fit with the lore, that's you probably don't have to tweak it that much. We, when I used the gift of of Blood Vengeance and the Emerald Brotherhood, I didn't really change a lot, um, and it was already left pretty open for me. So it kind of like the write ups mostly gave me like uh, a thematic feel of what that group was supposed to be, and then I filled in the blanks with NPCs, and I created. I, we have the leader of the Emerald Brotherhood, who's kind of a jerk. Yeah, I didn't love that guy. Not really a big fan of him, but people like Veril. Uh, I liked say, him are, a lot. Are members of the of the Emerald Brotherhood, and they have you know all of them have, want basically want the same things. They just go about it very differently. Yeah, like uh, either you know just, being cool or being a jerk. <laughs> you know, different ways. Really, different just methods. those two. And so I I didn't really change much about them. Uh, we just they just had good themes built around them, and then I added what I needed for my campaign. So, um, let's see. If you wanted tips for about modifying the organizations. It sounds like a good tip is just to really, really. try and get the the theme mm-hmm. strong in your mind and use yes. this to influence your own writing. Mm-hmm. Because those themes, uh, especially because I think they, are, they wrote in a little bit of the Emerald Brotherhood and the gift kind of butted heads already. Yeah, because we they, made use of that for sure. Yes, so... If you're going to use these groups, a lot of which have some pretty nice write-ups, um, you might want to double-check how it's going to affect your game. Mm-hmm. Because these groups all have goals, and they uh, they want things. They have... I'd say whether they, I don't think they necessarily... They don't write a lot of important figures in them, so you're going to have to make those yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, people will probably have questions about those kinds of things. You'll want to uh, be ready with answers. Uh because they leave a lot of empty space for you, that means you can play with it however you like. You can perhaps tweak the theme a little bit to fit more the theme that your game is trying to go for. Um, I can't, I haven't looked at Esoterica from Thetis in a while. I don't quite remember who the Sisterhood is. Um, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't read a lot of them too closely. I did a lot of, I skimmed them a lot. But I, I of course, read the Brotherhood and the gift entries rather closely because I needed those. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's Nancy, so I, I, I guess uh, there's no canon, Nancy, story canon police who are going to break your door down to fix any mistake, any changes you make. So it's your game. You should, and, and I mean, the folks who wrote Esoterica from Thetis expected people to use them, how use their books however they wanted to use them. So go nuts. It's, uh, I mean, they've given you ideas. You're the one, Nancy, they've given you the scaffolding. You get to flesh it out. So do whatever you want with it, honestly. It's uh, it's but keep in mind, you know, the themes that this kind of group is going to represent. Make sure that it's going to mesh well with your game, um, and you know, of course, adding interesting stuff like that. Maybe be ready for players who I don't remember if this is an antagonistic antagonistic group or not, but players who might want to join this organization. To be fair with players, it never really matters. They they'll want to join regardless. There's a, there's a chance, rather, they'll want to join. Yeah, always a chance. 
So uh, be ready to adjust it as you need it. Yeah. It's and not so much about hard and fast rules here yeah. as it is about being okay with the fact that you can change things to the way you see fit. Yeah, absolutely. It's your game. Yeah. Just, you know, make sure that your, uh, make sure that your dress matches your hat. Make sure that mm. the plans like that. for this group, uh, the plans for this sort of uh, uh, organization match the way you want your game to run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have to tweak some cannon to make it more appropriate, then tweak some cannon. Like, again, nobody's... Bioware police ain't gonna break down your door. <laughs> I hope. Hope not. Let us know if they do. Let us know if they do, and we can ask them if they want to start uh, pushing some more Dragon Age books through. Also, stop breaking people's doors down. Also that one. That'd be good. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for the question. Thank you, everybody. If you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG out there, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications about old episodes, or anything else, you can send a message to Podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+. Well, we don't, I actually, I said that one by habit. We, there is no Google+, anymore. It's not Google real. Google+, is no more. Google+, is a myth. You can, uh, you can or, send it to our AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> or SoundCloud. Or, or to p- our, uh, our MySpace page, maybe yeah. our live journal. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know if I. I don't think I ever did MySpace. I. I, might and I definitely MySpace. didn't. I didn't definitely didn't have a live journal. I one hundred percent have a live journal. You know, whatevs. You can also send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Healer Puff on the Green Running forums, or send a message to Cot or Lease on the D Twenty Radio forums. That's us. That's us. We've got nothing for the Dissonant Verses this time. Uh, although I hear a couple of folks might be drumming some stuff up as they go along, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what they do with that. Let us know. Let us know. Let us know. And you can send stuff to the regular places. Send stuff to all those places. We'd be happy to share them. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, and and <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about this topic today. Yeah, big fan of the nautical theme. Mm. You know, because we're talking about relationships. Is it fate or chance? Welcome to the main topic, everybody. We're talking about your ships. I ship it. I'm glad you do. I ship us. Do you still ship us? I do. We had an anniversary yesterday. We did have an anniversary. Four years. Four years of marriage. Like nine years of together, but four mm-hmm. years of marriage. Four years of driving the ship. Hmm. It's a good time. Is that a... I don't know what that deodorant is, but it smells like all spouse to me. Two for two! Two for two! Anyway, relationships have always been a part of the Dragon Age series. Dragon Age Origins and Inquisition have an approval system where your actions cause reactions in your party members, deepening their relationship with you, and they're becoming fast friends or leaving the party altogether. Relationships were expanded upon slightly in Dragon Age 2 with a meter that went between friendship and rivalry, with both sides having benefits depending on how you progress through the game, and both sides potentially still having romance potential. I mean, so you could have a romantic rivalry or a romantic friendship. You know. You can hate smooch. You have some hate smooches. I wouldn't recommend it in the long term. Yeah. All the games, of course, have romance paths. All of them have dastardly villains who your characters opposed, and I assume many of us very much disliked. Uh, and all of them have companions who you can impress. And those three things are just a big, messy Venn diagram, and they overlap like crazy. <laughs> it's pretty much just three circles. It's just, it's just, yeah, one circle on three different layers of Photoshop. Uh, especially when we talk about certain eggs. Uh, the people of Thetis have always been brought a bit more to life through dialogues, gift choice, gifts, choices, and battle. Relationships can help make these connections really come to life in your tabletop role-playing games. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> what is relationships? What is relationships? In our notes, Ren may have forgotten to change the no, verb. No, that was intended. Oh, okay, good. What is relationships? Uh, simply put, rela- the relationships mechanic is a simple and evocative way to make the connections your PCs form come to life, not only in the game worlds, but through the mechanics of the game itself. Uh, everyone can roleplay connections between two characters, uh, but relationships are used to give them a bit more meaning in game terms through a bit of mechanical heft. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it not necessarily that it becomes more real, but it 
but see, but you come, but even in the game rules, you get to feel that relationship's strength. Yes. Uh, now, relationships are not strictly defined. Uh, they can be friendship. They can be just straight approval. They can be rivalry. They can be romantic. Uh, they can be hate. They can be loyalty. They could be fear-based. Mm-hmm. Relationships is, is left very broad for you to define exactly what uh, what each individual one means to your character. Don't forget the, the frenemy, the classic frenemy. Mm-hmm. Enemy turned friend. No, no. At what? A frenemy. <laughs> I don't know if, if you've never had a frenemy. A frenemy is somebody who you are friends with, but who is also kind of plotting to destroy you at the same time. That's always fun. Girls, not, it's not, not definitely always a girl's thing, mm-hmm. but every, every person I've met who has really been able to embody the frenemy idea mm-hmm. has been someone who has identified as female. Hmm. Just happens to be that way. It happens to be that way. Well... Uh, we'll talk about relationships and how they work and give some examples. You can find the rules for relationships on pages 122 to 127 of Faces of Thetis, that new book that came out. That's real cool. Chapter 3, whole thing is about relationships. So, how do they work? Relationship rules are kept pretty simple. Functionally, they're kind of like goals. Uh, information that can inform your roleplay and that helps define what is important to this character. A single relationship has two components, bond and intensity. Uh, Bond is basically a short description of the relationship. It can be a sentence. uh, It can be a couple of sentences. You you mostly want to keep it kind of simple so that one doesn't take up too much space in the character sheet and that that it's very clear. Yeah. It's like writing a goal uh, in that it can tell the players and the GM how the relationship is framed, where it might go from in the future, and how it affects the characters. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a bond should be written clearly like a goal, so there's no confusion about how the relationship works in roleplay. For example, they're an idiot, but they're my idiot, and I'll break anyone who hurts them. That sounds like Alora and how she feels about all of her party members. <laughs> Pretty much. This relationship clearly defines a dynamic between the characters. The characters who belong, the character to who this belongs, wishes to protect their subject, uh, and suspects they will occasionally have to protect them from themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing inherently romantic about this relationship, but it's all and see, so that le- but it leaves it kind of open as to where where it could go. Yeah, and honestly, for most of these, unless it's really explicitly a romantic or sexual mm-hmm. relationship, you can specify like put a little asterisk and be like attracted romantically or attracted sexually, so the GM knows if you want to explore that avenue. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> and also that way they don't like you know set you up with someone you think your character mm-hmm. wouldn't go for. Now, we've already probably mentioned that roman- that, uh, that relationships do not have to be positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this one. They have humiliated me for the last time. I will not rest until their reputation, wealth, and confidence is shattered. Your tone seems very pointed. <laughs> this is clearly antagonistic and actually kind of reads like a goal, which... It very well might you very well might copy and paste. Like to me, Uh, character has plans for the rival's future, and (laughs) at the very least, they're probably going to take a few swipes at the rival when they appear in some scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another example is: I don't like how they run things, and I will let them know if they ask. But they saved my life, and that is a debt I intend to repay. Mm. Uh, This relationship is complex and multifaceted, and helps inform role play when the relationship partner is present in the scene. Uh, it also implies a power structure, with the subject of the relationship being a little higher than the character being played. So, so keep in mind how you phrase things like this, so that it, uh, because how it fra- how it's phrased can give a lot of information to the GM. Just make sure that you're given the kind of information that you want to impart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and GMs feel for, uh, and uh, I guess players uh, listen to this one too, but. Um, if it's a, feel free to ask your players to clarify or to maybe rewrite the goal or to maybe uh, maybe ask questions about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, additionally, bonds don't have to be with a specific person. You can also have yes. a group bond representing a strong connection to a group of people or an organization. This can be something like an adventuring group. Uh, it can be some. It'll be an organization that maybe the GM has drummed up some stats for uh, that the player has a strong connection. The character has a strong connection to. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a particular faction that they oppose, um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's generally, but it's not necessarily meant to be like a demographic. 
Yes. It's meant to be a specific, let's see, something specific and kind of self-contained. Uh, for example, the Grey Wardens gave me a second chance at life, and now I have purpose. I owe my siblings in battle much more than I can repay. This person clearly has a group bond to the Grey Wardens. Uh, the GM, in this case, uh, Grey Wardens is relatively broad, but it is also a specific faction with a unified goal. So the GM, in this case, the GM might uh, go, might ask them to define it maybe to a specific group of Grey Wardens, like the Ferelden Grey Wardens, uh, or uh, depending on how prominent Grey Wardens are going to be in the campaign, you might also be able to just leave it that way. Yeah, and I recall in a different campaign in a different world i had a character that had a deep loathing for a specific organization Mm -hmm. and uh would actually got bonuses to hit members of that organization Mm -hmm. and that was a very relevant part of her relationship dynamics was Mm -hmm. the fact that she despised this organization and anyone attached to it so i think it's relevant just you know make sure that they're not you know, everyone in the in the group is a Grey Warden. And be like, well, I love Grey Wardens and get bonuses with all Grey Wardens. I get bonuses with everyone. Yeah. Just... yeah especially if the campaign is just about Grey Wardens. About everybody being a Grey Warden. Maybe a group bond with the Grey Wardens might be a bit too broad. Yeah, you might need to tone that down. Or make the make the uh, benefits much less significant. Mm, maybe for, for a specific uh, group of Grey Wardens. Yes. Um, having a, a relationship with a specific faction organization, but maybe like having a bond defined for like all Grey Wardens ever, or all criminals. <laughs> uh, I hate or, criminals. Or, or or just like slavers, or just like uh, or uh, Orlesian nobles. Yeah, I mean you can hate those groups. Yes, but relationships are going to give you mechanical heft. So they need to be fairly defined. Yeah, you could have a certain slaver group. You could yes. be like the XYZ slaving, slaver trading company. Like, mm. I can't, like, I hate slavers, but these ones are the literal actual worst, and mm. I'll take them out. This magister and the slavers under his employ. Yep. That could work. Uh, but also just saying, like, to venture slavers, it's That's a bit more much. narrow, but probably not quite narrow. As, it as depends, on your, depends on your yeah, game. Yeah, it will depend on your game. Um, Talk to your GM. The second component of a relationship is intensity. Mm-hmm. Intensity is a number that indicates how strong a relationship is, positive or negative. Uh, the number can be anywhere between one and five, with one indicating an already strong relationship for someone like like two good friends who grew up together uh, or family members who you're close to, mm-hmm. uh, with a five meaning that your connection is beyond description. It is a fact. Like you. Hi, baby. Anyway. Anyway. Relationship intensity increases or decreases as the story demands it. Uh, and there is no growth per level up, no specific schedules. It is up to the players and the GMs and how, how the story plays out. If you do a big favor for some one of your relationships, then the GM may rule that the relationship incre- intensity increases. Mm-hmm. Generally not faster than plus one. Maybe like during a session. Yeah. Like, like having a relationship jump from like one to three is would be, I mean, that one I could see. It would have to be a huge deal. But, like, going from one to four is worth way too much unless you're doing some blood magic mind control. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. So, relationships, and, of course, if you uh, and see, if you displease your the, the subject of your relationship uh, or the relationship just grows weaker for whatever reason, maybe you're separated for a long time uh, or your priorities start shifting, uh, relationship intensities can go down. Although, displeasing is implying that it's a positive relationship. Really, Mm -hmm. like, if you do something either opposite to the intended direction of the relationship, Mm -hmm. or you do nothing and the relationship just kind of dwindles, that's when it should go down. But, like, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's somebody you're already rivals with, like... Mm -hmm. You do something to make them mad. If you do something to make them mad, then that makes the intensity go up. (laughs) Exactly how the relationship is going to shift and what shifts it will, of course, depend on the relationship's nature and mm-hmm. who they, how that person is and, you know, whatever the GM deems appropriate. Oh, yeah. Definitely. 
For example, if you have a negative relationship, then doing things like uh, embarrassing them at a gala or besting them in battle could certainly increase the intensity of the relationship. Or if it's a positive relationship, doing them favors, uh, let's say like gathering them some information or finding Mm -hmm. a cherished family heirloom. Saving somebody's life. Saving somebody's life. That can certainly do it. Increase that intensity. Uh, intensity is more than just a number in the it's in this system, of course. Uh, each rank of intensity will give the character with that relationship one free stunt point they can use any time on any role in a single session. Ooh. Uh, even if that role wouldn't normally generate stunt points. Uh, you get one free stunt point per rank of intensity every session. So if you have an intensity three relationship with your brother, you have three free stunt points to spend during that session. Uh, you don't have to spend them all at once, but you can spend them spend as many as you like at one time. Mm-hmm. So you could spend. Uh, let's see. Now uh, the stunt points, of course, can only be spent on actions or during adventures that specifically involve the subject of their relationship. So if you're trying to get somebody out of manacles before the guards come and they're a member, they're a part of a relationship with you, you can certainly spend those two stunt two of those stunt points to perform like an efficient let's see an efficient search to make it take half as long, half as long as it normally would. Given that I'm going to be playing a character whose best friend is another PC, is that going to get kind of broken? That that depends. I think we can we can talk about that a little later. Mm. There's some Didn't special con- there are definitely special considerations <laughs> to take uh, when including this these rules, and we'll come to that one. We'll probably forget about it to be perfectly honest. with you. I wrote it down. No, I mean oh the oh. two of us will forget. <laughs> the to two use of it. you will just forget to use it. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, that's 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 on you, folks. Uh, maybe I will suggest it. Uh, these, if you're trying to negotiate, if you're another example I was using is if you're trying to negotiate with the bandit leader about releasing your brother, you can certainly spend those free intensity stunt points during the encounter where you're trying to free him. Now, this is a thought I had while I was writing this is saving the world indirectly benefits your brother. <laughs> uh, however, so you could not argue that killing this archdemon involves him enough that you get some free stunt points to kill it with. Yeah, not so much. You know, now if he's got example. your brother in his claws. That would be different. That would be different. Yeah. Uh, it basically, if you feel like you have to rules lawyer why it, it makes sense, it's probably not good enough. Then the enough. GM should probably say no. Uh, for Now, here's a nice big extended example. Uh, your brother is taken hostage by a bandit leader who has vexed your party's mercenary company for a long time. You have an intensity three relationship with your brother and an intensity two relationship with the bandit leader. While negotiating with this bandit leader, you could spend up to three stunt points from your loving relationship with your brother and up to two stunt points from your antagonistic relationship with the bandit leader. In this particular case, you have a lot at stake here, so you would have potentially up to five stunt points to spend during this encounter, even more if the intensities for these relationships were higher. Your GM would ultimately be the arbiter of whether you could spend the stunt points or not on specific actions, but it would be reasonable to allow the stunt points to be used on most tests in this encounter, as the goals of the encounter directly involve these relationships. Uh, During the negotiations, you want to make sure that the bandit bandit leader realizes that you mean business, so you can spend those two stunt points uh, (coughs) to get to the Tower of Will stunt a little faster. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe you want to get your brother out of the way of of, uh, of arrows that are being shot at you, so you can spend those stunt points on a skirmish stunt to push them. Things like that. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Fun stuff. Stuff stuff that definitely, uh, like... Also works with how the relationship's yeah. bond is written. So, and dramatic, but in the correct way. Dramatic in the correct way. If you try to flirt with the bandit leader, that could end up changing the ba- the, the, the the relationship dynamic rather Unless quickly. Unless that is part yeah. of your previous dynamic. We did yes. talk about the hate we smooch. Did. We did talk about that, and you know, it happens sometimes. Not good for you. Not, uh, maybe think about it first. Uh, relationships. He's got your brother. <laughs> Relationships also give your characters access to a, to very special and very expensive stunts. There are two stunts in the book, uh, specifically on page one, page one twenty four, faces the fetus. Uh, they cost a whopping seven stunt points, and they can be most easily reached with the free stunt points from the intensity rating. Higher level characters may find it a bit easier to reach the number as well, since <laughs> you're getting more stunt points generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but they give but these stunts give you bonus. We're not going to read them to you so that you go get the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, these stunts give you bonuses for whole encounters or even remainders of a session on actions that involve protecting or injuring the subject of your relationship. Uh, 
So don't forget them when they are, you are busting down the door to take some sweet vengeance or when staging a daring rescue. <clears throat> uh, how many relationships can you have is a good question. And the, the, there's, there's a couple answers to it. Um, characters can, let's see, by the rules written in the book, can start with an intensity two relationship and an intensity one relationship at character creation. Uh, at levels 4, 8, 12, and 16, a hero can add a new intensity 1 relationship for a total potential total of 6 relationships. Uh, it is worth remembering that adding these relationships at character creation or as you level up is optional. You do not have to add any more if you don't want to or if it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you don't add a want to, if you don't add a relationship at a level up, you can increase the intensity of 2 other relationships by plus 1, strengthening your already existing ties instead of creating a new one. Uh, you can also choose to leave a slot open at character creation or uh, during a level up to fill in later with an intensity of one relationship once you meet the right person. Mm -hmm. uh, in theory, a GM could also allow PCs to take as many relationships as let's see, as the story wants, as how many as they want, or as many as the player wants. Mm -hmm. um, these are mostly guidelines to streamline things and to keep it as simple as possible. Because... I mean, at level 16, if you are taking lots of relationships, that's a, that's a fair amount of stuff to juggle. Especially yeah. if you are working on... If it's appropriate on, to the character. If it's appropriate to the character of the campaign, then it's absolutely something you should be doing. The character but, has a lot of feelings. <laughs> the character has a lot of feelings. So, you know, just something worth keeping in mind. Uh, another optional rule that they include is self-centered relationships. For all you edgelords out there. <laughs> uh, instead of you having... shadow the edgehogs, you... <laughs> <laughs> Instead of having relationships with other characters, some characters may choose to have a self-centered relationship with themselves. This can be because they don't want to form relationships, they want to keep to themselves to protect others, they have past trauma they need to work through, or they just want to focus on themselves. Uh, your character can choose, at character creation, to begin play with an intensity 3 relationship with themselves. Uh, for example, My duty to the wardens means I could die at any time. I couldn't hurt someone like that. Uh, this person takes a self-centered relationship to focus on their duty to the wardens, seeking not to hurt anyone when they eventually have to die on a Darkspawn blade. This could have come after losing someone else to the duty of Darkspawn slaying, or they may have joined the wardens to find a glorious way to die alone. Whatever their reasons, uh, self-centered relationships like this one clearly state why they are not reaching out to others. Yeah, and that character needs to probably be played that way appropriately. Correct. Is worth remembering that, uh, and those <laughs> those stunt points that you know those, those uh, intensity free those free intensity stunt points can also of course only be spent. Uh, it's they, it's it's a little strange how you how you might spend them. It might also depend the table var expect some table variation. Talk to your GM. Talk to your GM about how self centered relationship intensity stunt points are being spent. If that means spending them to preserve yourself or spending them to do, uh, to maybe keep other people from f forming relationships with you, if that's what that means. It might also depend on the, the nature of the relationship with the self. Mm -hmm. So in this case, with this example, you might be able to spend stunt points on performing your duty for the wardens. Mm -hmm. I could see that as, be, as something reasonable to do. Uh, now, self-centered characters do not have to stay that way if they don't wish to. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of any session, they may choose to reduce their self-centered relationship's intensity by a minus one to start a new intensity one relationship. Uh, they can still uh, they may still be able to form uh, relationships with other characters at level ups, uh, or as the story and say or as the story goes. Although it's probably going to be a fair it should be a fairly limited number since you have an intensity three relationship. With yourself and no one else. I would imagine that it, if you're going playing a self-centered character that's mm -hmm. with this level of dedication to mm -hmm. being self-centered, that you might have to take it out of self-centered before you can put it into other relationships. Like, yeah, in table variation, mm -hmm. expect it. Yes, but I feel like it would make sense that you could not increase other relationships without decreasing equivalently your self-centered ones. I think that's fair, and that's kind of already what they wrote in, so they. I think I think I mean, including at level ups. Yes, I think that's fair. Uh, you cannot increase the intensity of self-centered relationships like other relationships. Uh, once you get it at three, it pretty much stays there. Um, it can, I'd say, in some cases, like the case they have in the book, um, 
you can choose to change another relationship into a self-centered one. Uh, this often happens when a character suffers the loss or betrayal of another relationship, and they become self-centered to draw inwards and protect themselves. Uh, I wrote a nice example here, and I am pretty proud of it, actually. Uh, Tavarian, a Tevinter mage, has long known a lover in Lavia, a fellow Tevinter Altus. They spent nights together, worked together on research, and shared enough secrets that they have reached an Intensity 3 relationship, becoming extremely close. But one day, Alavia's family's priorities change, and Tavarian's family is in the way of their ambitions. Unfortunately, Alavia decides that her loyalty to her family is more important to her than Tavarian, and she makes an attempt on his life. Ooh. They both survive the encounter, but walk away scarred. Tavarian turns his relationship with Alavia into a self-centered relationship. Let's see, uh, let's see uh, deciding to keep people out because it's, 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 because it's special. It because it hurts, especially in Tevinter. Uh... While Alavia changes her relationship with him into a group bond with her family. They have made their choices, and whether or not the regrets are had will become apparent later in the story. That's uh, a sad story. Yeah. Uh, sure, now, here's a couple of important, uh, a couple of considerations, with one of them being the most, this one being the most important one, is should you use the relationship mechanic? I personally think it sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We unfortunately, uh, we finished our Dragon Age campaign before these rules were actually, no, uh, the rules were put out in Blue Rose. But we were near the end we by were, the time it yeah, came out. We were super near the end by the time it came out. We wouldn't have gotten to use them at all. So We already had so many complex relationships. It's we like, had a lot of stuff going. It would have been a lot of retroactive junk. It just wasn't worth it. So, relationships are arguably integral to the integral Integral? Integral. Integral to the experience of Dragon Age. Um, but like any other optional rule set, it is worth asking your party and your GM if you need it. Uh, it's not a lot of additional bookkeeping, uh, but when your character has gained a large number of relationships, it can make encounters that vol- involve multiple relationships confusing and cumbersome for people who aren't ready for it. That said, it shouldn't start like that, and I imagine yeah. the learning curve would be fairly smooth. Mm-hmm. <coughs> You don't need to use the relationship mechanic for every NPC your character comes across. Uh, you really shouldn't. Um, you should only use these rules to represent connections that help define your characters. Mm-hmm. You can have relationships, quote-unquote, with plenty of people in the setting, uh, but this system is meant to make those important connections shine a little more than the others. Those smaller connections can still mean plenty to your character, and there's no reason you should throw out the ties that you have established already or the ones that you make later. Mm-hmm. Just relationships are meant to be the big ones. The ones that your character is thinking about a lot. The ones that your character really cares about maintaining. Uh, it's, it's something that helps define who your character is uh, and helps inform that role play. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, to close out, we've got a couple of special considerations to go to talk about. Uh, first, uh, one of them is mostly for GMs. Uh, NPCs can have relationships if the GM wants them to. They can create more depth and uh, make the mechanical fee- mechanic-, mechanic feel more like a part of the world and setting rather than a resource that only players can pull on because they're special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can make for some pretty cinematic stuff uh, when your NPCs are spending those intensity points to to act upon each uh, other. To act upon each other, that can be really cool. It does mean you probably have to talk to yourself. But... It does mean that the GM is going to have to talk to themselves a fair amount. It's fine. Um, it can be pretty dramatic if that NPC maybe is involved in an encounter with the players and is getting a little extra mechanical home. Oh, home. yeah. No, I think it's great. Yes. Uh, but this can be cumbersome if the GM is making relationships for everybody. Uh, they're making relationship like a web of relationships between a dozen campaign NPCs, and while it weaves a tapestry of drama, it may also become tiring or slow down play when the GM is considering all the angles of a social encounter. So it's... Mm-hmm. Worth thinking about. Temperance is a key here. Yes. Less is more. Uh, Balance. Balance, yes. Uh, Ties. When you are making your character, we usually usually ask that you make goals and ties. Ties just being people you know already. Mm -hmm. Uh, Relationships also do this. They ask you to see at character creation, you can make two relationships to start with. Those are people who are extremely important to your character for one reason or another. Love or hate them. Um, ties still is important and worth writing, and I think is worth writing down. Um, partially because if you're using this system in your game, 
uh, and it's, and the GM of course gets to see the the, the ties that you've uh, recorded. Uh, they may pay special attention, may be able to pay special attention to ties because they may because uh, these are the characters that your people that your character starts the game knowing can inform the GM of people the PC may want to form relationships later. Also, exploitable huh. resources. If you want to make your character scared about stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kidnap the people they care about. Uh-huh. That's always fun. Give them a chance to spend those intensity stun points. True. Hmm. Or, you know, those ties could become relationships later. So keep it in see The player is telling you what they want. So think Listen about it. Listen to them. Uh, PC relationships. They talk a little bit about this in the book. Um, and it is uh, it is recommended th- uh, that people who are in groups that are... And see, I don't know if they actually say this in the book. This is something I'm probably going to say. Folks who are going to be temperate with them. Uh, like people who are going to like use them when it's when it, it use them appropriately and sparingly and not as it's not as ways to like gain the system to gain the system like always like always managing to spend those intensity stun points on making their heals more powerful. But although that can that see that that see that certainly can work and can be dramatic. Uh, it is worth keeping in mind that that is probably what's going to end up happening eventually. Just be aware, and mm-hmm. it works with the right party. This is something that's really best for a more dramatically themed party, like mm-hmm. people who are more interested in a story and in character development are going to probably get more out of this overall. Yeah. So, you know, session zero, figure out which kind of group you have, mm-hmm. and decide whether or not to use it. Mm-hmm. We are going to be starting uh, another <coughs> campaign where we've got some relationships between player characters. Yes. I'm curious to see how it turn- how it turns out. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I love every single one of those characters already. Hmm. I cannot wait to see We be adding another one, interact. potentially. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, creature bonds. They also talk about this in the core, in the, let's see, in the core book, in the Faces of Fetus. And it's just pointing out that, you know, when it's, that like monstrous creatures or just pets. You can absolutely have relationships with pets. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe one of our PCs that is mm-hmm. going to be one of her major, major important things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although Sweet we, little trash monster, we may question it once in a while. <laughs> but um, so it, it's 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 something worth considering. Um, although you will want to, of course, talk with your GM about how often it's going to come up because if they're an animal companion who adventures with the group, then that can potentially run into some of the same pitfalls that uh, PC relationships can have. Though the fact that it is once per session does reduce the number of times it can be used. It does. Does keep things sort of Mm -hmm. reasonable. And it does make it suitably dramatic that they have these extra resources to spend on keeping these these, uh, creatures safe. Yes. And, you know, we all want the Mobaris to be okay. I mean, of course. <laughs> 100%. That is one thing that I'm going to say, is that if... Uh, you can do all sorts of dramatic and dark things in your game. If the dog dies in your game, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear about your game where the dog dies. That sounds like... Not a, welcome that in my like house. A, that sounds like a sad game. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh... One of the considerations I thought about was how to, was writing your NPCs. Uh, take a look, since assuming that you've got Faces of Thetis, which we will certainly hope you do because it's really cool. Take a look at Faces of Thetis and notice how a couple of the entries include included in major characters have um, sections that talk about relationships with those characters. Yes. Um, what they like, what they don't like. Mm-hmm. What Use they'll stab these... you for. <laughs> right. Use these as inspiration when writing your own NPCs to get a jump on how relationships with your NPC, your original NPCs might unfold. And honestly, like, if you take the backgrounds out, you can reskin some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, take out some of the pieces of those characters and reuse them for your own. Yeah. Why not? you can't. Or just use the original characters. Why not? It's a free country. <laughs> well, if you're in Ferelden, it's technically a free country. Relatively, yes. Anyway, uh, this was something that I thought of that I thought was very important to consider when using this mechanic is taking the time. Creating and maintaining relationships in real life takes time. <coughs> uh, in a game, this can translate to lots of playtime being dedicated to fostering relationships, positive and negative. 
Because, you know, it's something that you and your players want to pursue. Dragon Age. Uh, you may need to talk to your party about how they want to handle this during play. As laying the spotlight on one character who is deepening their Templar's connection to the local priest may mean that the players who want to work on their character's relationships will have to simply have to sit and watch while one player and the GM roleplay for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can work for some groups who enjoy the roleplay. Like, let's see, I, I suspect that our group would not have a lot our of problems Our group's going to be fine. Yes. Um, Watch it. Friggin' Shakespeare. <laughs> we are we are Shakespeareans. Uh, not all groups are going to appreciate five people around the table twirling, uh, spinning their wheels while uh, one player and the GM uh, are having a romantic scene. Mm-hmm. Some a lot of people will enjoy that, but this is also going to be very much a table variation. Yep. So GMs, you know your groups, uh, and this can be particularly bad in larger groups where everybody's got relationships to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that you could end up taking entire sessions just to deal with relationships. And that, I don't say, I mean, to me, that sounds great. I think that sounds like a load of fun. Not all groups will agree. Mm-hmm. So, um, as a possible suggestion, consider finding new ways to get PCs those important moments with their friends, rivals, sweethearts, and nemeses uh, without halting play to have everyone focus on one scene. Uh, if you have access to role-playing forums, you may feel better using them to get the PC's relationship experience happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, those who have, like, let's say, for example, like, folks who have Obsidian Portal campaigns can create forum rooms for this kind of RP, for example, which is something we have actually done before. Yes, in previous campaigns, we've made good use of that. Uh, maybe they can write out scenes or letters uh, to loved ones for bonus XP or some other in-game incentive. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the GM meets with individual players one-on-one to roleplay a scene that they want to have, uh, to have it just be special for that PC. And, and I'm sure that there's plenty of other ways you can go about it, or just maybe, like, say, I don't know, I don't like the idea of, like, putting a timer on a scene. That feels weird. That feels weird. Should make it ha- make it happen Just make sure everybody's aware of timeliness. Mm. Like, I wouldn't say, you know, you got 15 minutes, go! Right. But, like, keeping time in mind, both of you, mm-hmm. while you create the scene together. And uh, this can also be an <laughs> exacerbated issue in groups that have a mix of self-centered relationships and people who are having relationships with other characters. Because that mm-hmm. self-centered person is probably not going to have a lot of scenes with, with other people. Yeah, their screen and time is going to be... And their screen time is probably not going to be spent on them brooding alone. I mean... <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> Is it though? Is it though? Is it though? I mean, again, if your group is down for that, go for it. I don't think I know a lot of groups who would be down to, to hear a hear the one character talking about why they are alone. Unless it's being done very ironically. Yes. Unless <laughs> yes. If we can make fun of you for it, <laughs> then it's fine. Do some professional brooding. Ugh. <sighs> <sighs> etc that sounded uh, more like a I think, <laughs> shock and reaction anime kind of i mean changing those that changing the lower and that intensity from that open that self-centered relationship to start a new one. Oh geez that's what that sounds oh, like oh that's what that no, sound no. is i'm gonna record um, it and put it into siren boy we sure did talk about this <laughs> uh it's also worth mentioning that pl- if you've got players in your group who just don't feel like using the relationship mechanic and you have some players that do that could be a sticking point for your group talk to everybody yes y'all are make sure that even if you're not all adults you're all gamers make it work yep so i think that covers about everything Mm -hmm. i think this ship has sailed you can't just take mine and use it again (laughs) i'm elaborating on it extending the metaphor Really? I love you. I love you too. I don't know why. (laughs) Your weird (coughs) noises and your Mm -hmm. silly face and your... Now you're pretty great. Thanks for listening to the Wonders of Vegas podcast, everyone. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us on our Patreon. If you support us with only $3 per month, you get to vote on our Patreon-only poll, which is worth twice as many votes as the other polls. If you support us with $5 per month, you get to hear the episodes a week early on Patreon. Anything you can contribute is appreciated. You can find a link to our Patreon on our blog and in the post for the show. Yes, and uh, provided we can make certain life aspects in our own real life lives mm-hmm. altered for the better, 
pretty much as soon as that happens, mm-hmm. there's a whole amazing influx of content we want to provide. Yes. There's some cool stuff we want to do. It got to be fun. We're, right now we're, uh, quite frankly, clinging to life, but uh, for different reasons, mm-hmm. each of us. But uh, once things settle down for us in different ways, then we'll be ready to explode onto the scene with some new and revolutionary Woo! content. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on our social media. <laughs> Feel free to leave a comment or a question or to even tell us how your Dragon Age games are going. Unless you're killing the dog. Unless you're killing the dog. That's we don't want to cool. know. <laughs> Feel free to comment on our show on SoundCloud, and if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. It really helps us out. Uh, this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. This is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feet. Thank you so much for listening to the Ones of the Fittest podcast. We'll catch you next time. See you later. Bye-bye.